Well, hello. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. You guys look good. You already sound good. Uh, Let's do this. If you're single, raise your hand. No matter what campus you're at, if you're single, raise your hand. Look around. Look around. See what you got to work with here. You see something special, give a... What's up? Hey, look, there's no better place to meet your spouse than the local church, right? Hey, uh, let me say hi to all, all of our locations. Hello, Littleton, Lakewood, Arvada, Evergreen, men at the Colorado Territorial Correctional Facility, women at the Denver Women's Correctional Facility. We love you like crazy. We're so glad we get to do church with you. And at every campus, can you guys make some serious noise, like the kind of noise that they would hear on the other side of the ocean as we say hello to our brand new Brussels, Belgium campus. We love you, Brussels. We're so glad we get to do church with you guys over there. Um, I did that whole like raise your hand if you're single thing um, uh, a few months back because I really am trying to hook the single people up here. And uh, and I, I went to the gym on Monday and this big old boy came up to me and he's like, hey, man, I just want to say thanks for doing that thing. I was in the back going like this, you know, <laughs> let's read the Bible. Um, John chapter four. This is a continuation of last week's talk. We're in the same story, the same chapter of the Bible. Let me read the two verses that we covered last week of the story, and then we'll keep going. Verse 46, once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. And we talked about this last week, how this guy and us, we, we, we got a little bit in common. Uh, for one, he had a pretty good life, but then he found himself sort of out of nowhere dealing with some really tough stuff. And we all know that, that that's possible for us, right? I mean, Jesus said it himself, in this world, before heaven, you're going to have trouble. And so we know that Different times, at different degrees, for different reasons, we go through really tough seasons of life. And so today is really about what do we do when we find ourselves in one of those seasons. And let me just say this, if you're not in one of those seasons right now, hang on to what we're about to talk about today. Put it in the back seat till you need it, but there will be a day, right? Because we all experience trouble. So when we do, what do we do? That's what today's about. And some people don't think that the Bible is applicable to our lives today. This is applicable, right? Let's get back into this conversation. Verse 49, the royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. I love that he calls him sir. How many of you, the last time you prayed, started your prayer off like this? Dear sir. (laughs) He doesn't have a clue how to talk to Jesus, does he? He doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know how to start the conversation. Everything's awkward. And we know what that's like, right? Remember when you first started praying? For some of you, prayer is still so new to you that it's still pretty awkward. That's how it is for this guy. He doesn't even know how to start the conversation. Dear sir, 
I remember when I first started praying, my, my prayer life really started um, in Eric and Chrissy Parks' house. And I'm going to tell you part of our story later uh, today. But after I gave my life to God, I moved in with them. And they liked me, but not enough to give me a bedroom. You know what I mean? You know, you know how you have those people? Like, you can stay with me, but I'm not going to put you in a bedroom because then you might stay too long. And that's kind of, I think, what they thought of me. And so there was a living room, and then there was a porch, and there was a little walkway between the living room and the porch, and that's where they let me stay. I'm not bitter. It's fine. I basically lived on a porch. And uh, I had a futon. You remember the futon? It's not just a bed. It's also a couch, right? And so I had a futon, and I, I would sit in there, and I would start praying. And it would be like, dear heavenly God, Jesus, no, Father, Father God, eight pounds, six ounce, baby Jesus, I, dear sir, I don't know, right? How do I start this conversation? It was so awkward. And some of you know what that's like because you're in the middle of it. But you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me that Jesus is available to everybody. You don't have to be a professional. You don't have to know what you're doing. You don't have to work at a church. You don't have to have grown up in church. You don't even have to have your life put together. You don't have to have been spiritual or done enough good things recently. Jesus is accessible to everybody. And I want to tell you as we start this talk today that no matter what's going on in your life, maybe you say, you know what, right now my family's doing so good, like we can't hardly stand it. Listen, Jesus is accessible for you today, and he wants to do something brand new in your life. If you've been following him for 50 years, he wants to get involved in what you're going through right now and do something new in your life. And on the opposite end, maybe you say, I have no connection with Jesus. I don't even know why I'm here, to be honest with you. The, the raise your hand if you're single thing was the best news I had all day. I'm not sure why I'm here. I don't know how to connect with Jesus. Then you need to know this. Jesus is here for you right now and wants to connect with you. And a couple thousand years ago, he came to this world, lived a sinless life, allowed himself to be executed on a cross to pay the price for your sins and for mine. And then what's crazy is, is God actually gives us the ability to put our faith in him. And you can do that before you leave here today. You can do that from wherever you're listening to this message from. You put your faith in that, that Jesus Christ died on a cross for you and came back to life on the third day to prove he was the son of God. And according to the word of God, you will be saved. He will forgive you of your sins, begin to redeem your past, restore your life, give you a brand new path, a new future, and heaven forever. You need to know this. He's the one and only son of the one and only God and the one and only way to heaven. And we're so glad you're here today to get to hear that. But he's here for you. He's accessible to every single one of us. I love that this royal official calls him sir. And I love that what he does next is start giving orders. Let's read it again. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. He doesn't say, like, you're Jesus, so I'm just going to fill you in on the situation. And, you know, since you're God, however you see fit to handle it, that'd work for me. He goes, no, 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 no. Let me tell you what you need to do to take care of this situation. Here's what I need you to do. Here's where I need you to be. And here's what time I need you to do it. And I read this, and I thought of us. Come on, isn't it true? How many times in your prayers recently have you told the creator of the universe exactly how he ought to handle things in your life? Isn't it true? And as Christians, it depends how long you've been doing this stuff, but we hide it really well, right? We, we shade it. We church it up. We, we say things like this. We go, 
I just want God to be in full control of my life. You, wherever you see fit, God. Now, as far as my job, here's what I'm going to need. I'm going to need this position and this title and in this company and in this city and in this time frame. But everything, full control. We tell God what to do, don't we, all the time. I was with my seven-year-old this week. We were driving down the street, and I was about to make a left-hand turn. Now, I haven't figured out all the traffic rules and regulations in Brussels yet, but I'll get there. But for us, if you're about to make a left-hand turn and you got a green light, not an arrow, but a green light, you wait for oncoming traffic, and then you make the turn. So I'm getting ready to make a left-hand turn. My seven-year-old looks up from a video game, mind you, and literally yells at me. He's like, Dad, green turn. I'm like, seriously, dude? You're going to tell me how to make a left-hand turn now. That's, that's, that's where we're at. You never, you've never parallel parked. You don't have a license. You don't even know where the blinker is. You've never executed a left-hand turn. You've never even turned a key in an ignition to start a motor vehicle, and you're going to tell me how to make a left-hand turn. I'll fight you right now. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but how many times do you think God feels that way about us. Let me leave. Let me not indict you. Let me just indict me. I wonder how many times he feels that way about me, like when I'm trying to tell him what needs to happen next in my career. I wonder if he's thinking like, really? Because, I mean, it's cute, but like I created you and the ground you're standing on and the air you're breathing and the lungs you're processing the air with and the idea of a career, but why don't you go ahead and tell me how this ought to work? That's cute. This guy says, hey, Jesus, I've got an issue, and here's how it needs to work. You need to be in this location, and, and here's what you need to do, and here's when you need to be there. And, and Jesus says, okay, um, thank you for your advice, but since I'm God and you're not, I'm going to go ahead and take care of it this way. Verse 50, go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Now, we could talk about this one verse for months. But, but let's just break it down for just a second. Go, your son's going to live. This is not what this guy expected, is it? It's not what he expected. He's a powerful man. We talked about it last week. Probably works for Herod. Probably traveling with an entourage. When he gives orders, like when he says jump, people say how high. People do what he says. This is not what he expected, right? And he clearly explained to Jesus what Jesus needs to do. You need to come with me there in Cana, right? And he says, come down. And if you look at a map, you go, well, that's not south. That doesn't make sense. Cana's up in the mountains. So he's saying, come down from the mountains, 20 miles east and a little bit north over by the Sea of Galilee where Capernaum is, where my house is. And you know, he's already got it figured out. Like, here's how Jesus needs to take care of it. We need to take this journey down through the mountains and we need to go to where I live. And, we're in, and, I'll, and I'll tell you the whole situation on the journey. And then when we get there, you'll introduce, I'll introduce you to the family and we'll go in the back room and you'll meet my son. You'll see what he's dealing with. You'll, you'll assess the situation and then you'll figure out what's wrong with him and then you'll figure out how to fix him. And that's not what Jesus says. Jesus' answer to him isn't at all what he asked for. It isn't at all what he expected. He said, come with me. And Jesus said, no, just go. And I started reading this and I went, man, this is real life for us. Because have you ever been in a really tough situation and you prayed and you said, God, this is huge to me. Like, please, here's what I need you to do in my life. 
and the answer that you got in return isn't what you asked for, isn't what you expected, that, that's what he's dealing with right now. Have you, ever, have you ever prayed, God, please bless my finances, like I really need a financial miracle, and then you start praying, and in your mind and in your heart, like the only thing you're getting from God is why don't you do some giving? And you're like, I'm sorry, I, maybe I'm breaking up on this end. I'm trying to tell you I need money. Yeah, why don't you give? What? That is not what I'm asking for. Have you ever prayed about a career move or a career change? And you're like, God, please provide me with a promotion or please get me a better job or a different job and here's where I want. And then God looks back at you and goes, no, I'm gonna need you to stay for a minute. That's not what I asked for. All of you who raised your hand at the beginning of service, you ever prayed for a husband or a wife and felt like God's saying, I'm gonna need you single for a minute. You'll understand. You don't now, but you will. You'll see. You ever pray for something that really, really is on your heart and what you get is not the answer you were looking for? That's what he's going through in the middle of a tough time. I'll share a, a very real one, almost an embarrassing one, um, but a real one for me. We have, let me just say this, and those of you who this is your church, you already know this, but let me just tell you if you don't, we have the best church staff on the planet here. I'll put this staff up against any church in the world, Church Olympics, bring it, okay? We've got an amazing team of people here. Well, a couple years ago, I started hearing a couple people weren't happy with some different things, and, and, and a couple people, this person was talking about this person and not happy with this person, and I kind of felt like there was a little bit of childishness going on and a little bit of entitlement stuff going on, and so I said, you know what? I'm going to take care of this. And I emailed the whole staff and I said, everybody on staff, this camp is tomorrow, this time, throwing down the hammer. And I started to take it personal because one of my dreams is that this place would be a dream come true kind of place to work at. And, and truth is, it was a bunch of misunderstandings, but I was, I wanted to have this talk. So I start praying and, and some of the staff was here for that and they'll be like, oh yeah, I was at that meeting. But what they don't know is I started praying God, would you help me to teach this team to appreciate each other the right way, to treat each other the right way, not to be entitled, but to be grateful to be here. Would you give me the words to say, I'm going to throw it down tomorrow. And you know what he told me? Why don't you call your last boss and repent? I'm not even kidding. Now, when I say he told me, for some of you, like, what? He talks to you? It's like this thought that I just couldn't get rid of. And I know that thought didn't come from me. And I looked him up and called some people and I got my old pastor's number and I called him and he's not even at the same church anymore, not even in the same state. And I called him and he said, hey, how you doing? I said, hey, I said, um, I said I'm calling because I just need to repent. Um, I'd like to blame it on my youth, but there's no excuse. The truth is I was really entitled when you were my boss and I thought I knew everything and I didn't treat you with the kind of respect you deserved and, and I talked badly to your face and I want you to know I also talked badly at times about you behind your back and I'm so sorry. And I'm not even gonna get into all the things, all the things that God has done in my life since that phone call. But it wasn't at all what I was praying for. I'm like, God, help me correct some folks and he's like, why don't you repent? 
What? But that's real life, isn't it, for us? God, I'm in the middle of some really tough stuff, and here's something I'm begging you to do, and then he throws something else completely at you that you weren't even expecting. And, and that's what happens with, with this guy, and that's what happens with us. And God's going to call you to give and to go serve somebody and to help somebody and, to, and to, 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 to move somewhere or to stay somewhere or to start doing something or to stop doing something or to go forgive somebody or repent. Same thing that's going on here. This man took Jesus at his word and departed. In the middle of a really tough time when he did not get the answer that he asked for. He decided, I'll go ahead and obey, even though this is not what I asked for. And because he did, he got to see everything that Jesus was doing. He didn't have to right away. He's a powerful man. Nobody, nobody just moves this guy along unless he wants to be moved along. He could have stayed and argued. He could have went and found another rabbi. He could have went and looked for another doctor. It just would have prolonged the time that it was going to take him to experience the plans Jesus had for him. And the same holds true for us. God's going to throw stuff at us every now and then, and it's not what I was asking for, and we're going to be at that same crossroads going, okay, do I obey in the middle of a tough time, even though this is not the answer I was looking for? And whether or not we experience tomorrow what Jesus has in store for us depends on whether or not we are willing to obey today. It's just true. This guy would tell us that if we could talk to him. And so here's my challenge to everybody at Red Rocks Church at all locations and, and in, in both countries. This week, I want to challenge you. Spend less time saying, God, here's what I need you to do. And spend more time saying, God, what would you like me to do? And would you give me the strength to obey? That's a game-changing prayer right there. Something that this guy had to learn. Let's keep going. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Verse 51, while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. Now, those two verses we read real quick together, don't we? It looks like, if you don't play this out, it looks like Jesus said, your son's going to live, and boom, he realized his son was going to live. But that's not what happened. Because he received the promise in Cana, 20 miles. He had to go 20 miles, traveling 20 miles through crazy rough terrain down to Capernaum before he would learn that the promise actually came true. So he spent a good amount of time on the way, that's what it says. On the way between the prayer and the answer. This is where we live sometimes, isn't it? Let's be honest. We spend a lot of time on the way between a prayer and an answer. Between a promise and the fulfillment of that promise. Between God calling us, between God putting something on our heart and saying, here's what I'm calling you to do next. And the details and the open door and the opportunity to actually walk into that calling. There's always a gap. There's a space on the way. In Red Rocks Church, we spend so much time on the way. What have you been praying for? What have you been believing for? You're on the way. You're in between that prayer and that answer. 
And so what we want to talk about for the rest of our time today is what do we do when we're in that journey? Because you know that was a crazy journey. There's an eternity between those two verses. Between Jesus says your son's okay and between the next verse when he actually finds out, there's an eternity between those two verses. Isn't there mentally? Because I don't know what's going to happen. It's my son. And I know he said it's going to be fine, but is it really? Right? He's on the way. So what do we do? What did he do? Let's reread verse 50 again. I know we're looking at this one a lot. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And if we could ask him today, say, what did you do? I think he would say this. I obeyed. It didn't make sense. I obeyed. I held on to his promise. And I went. Obey. Hold on to the promise. And go. That's what we see him doing. And I started thinking this week, you know, it would change some of our lives if we would just start doing that while we're on the way, while we're in between the prayer and the answer, the promise and the fulfillment, the calling, the dream and all the details while we're in the middle, in that space on the way, it would change some of your lives if you would start to hold on to some of God's promises in the middle, on the way. And here's what I mean. I want you to just kind of forget for a second that we're doing church, right? Because this service is going to end and we're going to go back to life as we know it outside of our campuses. Just forget for a minute that we're doing church. I want you to just forget for a minute that I'm the guy with the mic. Just ask God to speak to you right now about what's going on in your life. What are you worried about right now? What are you dealing with right now? What are you trying to process right now and figure out? What have you been praying for? What have you been believing for? Now let the word of God, let some of his promises speak to you right now about that situation. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God says the very same power that brought Jesus Christ up out of the grave. When you put your faith in Jesus, that same spirit goes into you. It comes into me. It's a part of who we are. And that power is inside of us, which means we are capable to do more and to go through more and experience more than we ever thought possible. Matthew 19, 26. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Deuteronomy 31.6, let God speak to you right now. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you and my righteous right hand, with my righteous right hand. It would do some of you so much good to stop just focusing on the fact that you're in the middle and you don't know how it's going to turn out and start focusing on some of the promises. You just start speaking to yourself in the middle. 
You start battling your own thoughts in the middle, on the way. And it looks like this. You go, yeah, I don't know how this is going to turn out. And I have been praying. And I haven't seen any activity yet. Or at least I can't tell. And it's not what I've been asking for. But you know what? That's okay. I don't have to be afraid. And I don't care how many people tell me it's impossible. I know that with my God, nothing's impossible. And the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ out of the grave is inside of me. So I can do more than I ever thought possible. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. Just preach to yourself. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He's right here with me. He said he'll strengthen me and he'll hold me up. Just hold on. I think this guy from Cana to Capernaum held on to the promise of Jesus with a death grip. You're not going to take this away from me. I don't know what's going to happen with my boy. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I know what Jesus said and I'm going to hold on to that. It would do some of you so much good if you start holding on to some of his promises on the way. Listen, you got to be in the word for yourself. I can only share a few promises with you at a time on a weekend. Every single day you can be in the word getting promises from God about your life that will help you on the way. It will change the way you live. And I do want to jump start this for some of you though. This is for anybody with a smartphone, and if you don't have a smartphone, find a 12-year-old that you know, because they do. <laughs> Get the Red Rocks Church app, and on the bottom of that app, there's going to be a little button this week that says promises. You hit that button, and as a staff, we're giving you 20 verses to start holding on to while you're on the way, while you're in the middle between the prayer and the answer. I'm telling you, put these things on mirrors, on your refrigerator, on the dresser, in your car. Start to memorize them. Start to quote them over your situation. Start to remind yourself the truth of the word of God. It'll change things. It's, it's a different way to live. So it'll change things. You can get those 20 verses on the app. I think if we could talk to this royal official today about what he experienced, he'd say, man, that walk was crazy. Between verse 50 and verse 51, when I got the promise and when it actually happened, it felt like an eternity. And if we were to say, well, okay, well, what's the, what's the trick? Like, help me out. He'd say, look, there's a good chance, even when you're praying real hard about something in the middle of a tough time, that God, because he's God and you're not, gives you an answer you're not looking for. And so right then you got a choice, obey or not. And I bet he would say, obey. You'll be so glad you did. And while you're walking, while you're waiting, Hold on to the promises of God. It's what will get you through. It's what will carry you through that journey. Hold on to his promises. And I think he would say this, and never, never, never forget that just because you can't see Jesus working doesn't mean he's not. Let's finish this story. Watch what he experienced. Verse 51. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. Here we go. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. Band, you can come up. 
He got out the calendar with his servants, and they are looking at the time on a phone, right, in my mind, and he goes, what time did my son get healed? Yesterday at one, and he looks back, and he goes, that was the exact time that I went to Jesus, as awkward as I was, and said, will you help me? I had no idea. You don't know what this journey's been like for me to get home. I had no idea. He was doing miraculous things the whole time. I just couldn't see it. And I'm telling you, Red Rocks Church, this isn't just fancy Bible talk. I've experienced this one myself. I told you a little bit of my story last week, and if you've been around for years, you've heard it, and if you're around for years, you'll hear it again, because I promised Jesus a long time ago, I'm just going to tell people what you did for me. But when I was 24, I was a drug-abusing, suicidal disaster, and I sat down one day to take my own life, because I was so hopeless. And right before I did it, I walked out into this backyard where I was staying, and I did the whole, like, hey, God, Father, you, like, if you're real, I need you. I'm desperate. And I stood out there for, like, three minutes. Nothing. I'm like, well, I guess it's not real. I went back in, I sat down at this table, and I was starting the process. I knew exactly what to do. And all of a sudden, this like crazy powerful thought came into my mind. Like I couldn't shake it. I couldn't get rid of it. It was so vivid. And it was, hey, listen, if you're going to go to heaven or hell today, you better figure out how you get there. And I got scared all of a sudden. I was like, oh, whoa, wait, wait a minute. I'm not sure how you get into heaven. And what if I'm not going to get in? I didn't realize that Jesus was the one and only way. I didn't realize I needed to put my faith in him. But this crazy, powerful thought was in my mind, and it was, call Eric Parks. He was my old college roommate. He's now one of the directors of this church. I thought, I haven't talked to him in over a year. But he was the only Christian I knew other than my mom. And I called Eric and I said, dude, I'm in trouble. And he started crying. He said, I've been praying for you for almost a year every single day that you would call me. And he flew me across the country and he took me to a church service. And I walked into a church service and the guy on stage said, I don't usually do this, but I can't get this thought out of my mind. Somebody in here, like you need to give your life to Jesus today or you're going to lose your life today. And I was like, now, I started, I moved there. Eric put me on a porch. I started getting involved in the church. I met the woman of my dreams in a, in a small group, in a life group. We got engaged. Now, this is, this, is, this is where the story gets good. One day, we're sitting down together, and we're talking, and she says, and she gets a calendar out. And she says, I have something I need to tell you now that we're engaged. I couldn't tell you before. And I'm like, well, that's scary. <laughs> She's got this calendar and she says, what was the exact day that you almost killed yourself? Like, can you show me that week on a calendar when you then went to Rockford and went to a church service and got saved? And I looked through the calendar and I went, and I went, it was right there. And her eyes well up with tears. And she said, see, the day I heard your testimony, I thought you were going to be my husband. 
because that exact day in Cleveland, Ohio, I went to my mom and said, God just told me to start praying for my future husband right now. And she had a serious relationship and she said, it's not the boy I'm dating. And so a family that I'd never met before on the other side of the country, the second I said, God, I need you, started praying for me. He started doing miraculous things. I'm here to tell you, just because you don't know what he's up to, it doesn't mean he's not up to something. Just because you can't see him working right now, it doesn't mean he's not working. See, we're all going to go through tough times. So when we get an answer that we're not looking for, we get to choose. Okay, I'll obey, even though this doesn't make sense and this isn't what I was looking for. And the whole time I'm on the way between the prayer and the answer, I'm just going to hold on to your promises with a death grip. And I'll remind myself every time I get it twisted that just because I don't know what he's doing doesn't mean he's not working. God is for you. God loves you. God has a plan for you. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you have every single one of us right here together for a very specific purpose. At every location, no matter where people are watching this from or listening to this from, I pray right now that your presence would be so real with them and that they would know that the creator of the universe is right here with them. That you'll never leave them, that you'll never forsake them. They don't have to be afraid. They don't have to live in fear. You will be their strength and their guide. With everyone's eyes closed at every location, let me ask a question. You already have a relationship with Jesus, but you're in the middle of a tough time. And today you say, okay, God, help me to ask for your will over mine and help me to obey when I don't understand. Help me to hold on to your promises and remind me like crazy that you're working when I can't see it. If that's you, raise your hand and I'm just going to pray for you. Whole bunch. Second question is this. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. But as soon as I started talking about what it takes to have a relationship with Jesus and what he's done for you, his spirit, not me, his spirit began to call you. Something began to happen in your heart. You can't explain it, but you just know the creator of the universe is trying to get your attention right now. And you know, like, like this is my time. I need to turn away from my old life and I need to turn to Jesus right now. I need to say, God, would you forgive me of my sins? I want to give my life to you. If that's you, raise your hand at every location. I'm going to say a prayer for you too. Put them up high. Praise God. Praise God. Good. God, you knew exactly why you brought us here. You know where you want to take us. And so right now I pray for peace in the name of Jesus for everybody who might be going through a tough time. I pray that you would give them peace and remind them, you got this. The creator of the universe who created them and the plan for them, you got this. And I pray that would bring so much peace right now. And God, for everybody who just raised their hand and said they want to start this new relationship with you, I thank you for the eternal lives that are changing right now. I thank you that we get to be a part of eternal lives being changed. I pray, God, as we begin to worship you with music, that your presence would be so real here with us, that you would continue to speak to us about our life and our situation. And God, it is our absolute honor as a church family now to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Red Rocks Church, will you stand up and let's worship.